0: You've heard that had to have heard the term good times, create soft men, soft men, create hard times. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Hard okay. times create uh good men. It's like a cycle. Okay. And we're kind of in the good times, create soft, soft men. Man. I feel like cycle. Absolutely, I feel like we're in that cycle. what is going on guys this is dr jared nelson and welcome to the podcast of the better man where you can never be perfect but you can always be better today we have a very special guest with us today <laughs> very special. logan johnson and johnson logan johnson yeah oh, welcome yeah. in dude what's up man how's it going yeah all is well man glad to have you on thanks air. for inviting me we go way back we haven't talked in like forever i feel like but we do go way back dude, it's probably been at least a decade yeah youth group all that yep in yep. church and all that but we got a lot of topics to discuss this oh, yeah. guy is a uh vet a veteran thank you for your service We're not go a veteran right uh veteran but a vetor- yeah veteran <laughs> I, I, that's what i No, you, you had it right i was just uh, messing with you. <laughs> so this is the pitch i kind of start at the beginning yeah. you're in the gym you you uh you share a machine with a guy and he's like so what do you do you know he's just talking to you
1: so i'm in the gym i'm asking you what do you do go ahead and start it off man well currently i'm in the fire service i work at um uh, Got some fire. I'm a firefighter, um, and I'm pursuing uh, my paramedic license. Okay, so that's currently what I do and what I'm doing. So how's that going? The paramedic stuff pretty intensive, you would say. Uh, yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. I never thought I'd. I joined the fire department um, with a thought of just fighting fires all the time, um, and I never thought I would. I'd like the medical side of it, but I fell in love with it. Um, so our department requires, uh, EMT basic, which is just, uh, um, your basic certification. And then right. I, I fell in love with it and wanted to go on further. So I'm using my GI Bill and, um, they're, the government's paying for that.
0: That's awesome. That's hey, the Kim. way to go. I will mean, a lot oh, of people yes. do that with the, with the GI Bill and all that. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your, uh, military background. You're doing fire now, but you were in the military. Kind of explain how you got into that and uh, start with that.
1: Yeah. So I joined in 20... 13. I did a year of college at JSU right out of high school just to make my mom happy. And that was what year? 2012. 2012. Yeah. Graduated high school, enrolled in JSU, hated every minute of it, Mm. uh, sitting in the classroom. And so my mom was like, well, you got to do something. I was like, cool. I'll just join the military then. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's glorified in movies. It's, it's not what the movies make it. it. So they got me on that one. They got me on that one. And, uh, So yeah, I joined, I had a contract for a job that would have been pretty cool. It was called TACP, which was Tactical Air Control Party. Hmm. And they would deploy with like a army and stuff and call in airstrikes. It was like, it would have been pretty cool. Oh yeah. But I got disqualified because I don't have depth perception is what they told me at MEPS. Wow. But I was still gung-ho about it. So I just um, signed a different contract. It's called Open General and the Air Force is the branch I served in they pretty much picked the job for you mm-hmm. so i just went in didn't know what job i was having until after a uh, boot camp and then they gave me a piece of paper and like this is your job this is where you're going to school mm-hmm. so um and i did um uh, hvac work for the air force oh yeah which was good because it translated well into the civilian world and i was in texas for eight months for training mm-hmm. then after that i went to seattle mm-hmm. and i lived there for five years Um, and I did eight years in total, two deployments, all that good stuff. Wow. So going back to,
0: so you went to college in 2012, Mm -hmm. you joined what branch in the military? The air force. Air force. Okay. And that started what year till when?
1: Uh, 2013 till 2021. Okay. Is when I officially separated. Okay. And I'm I'm intrigued about the depth perception thing. I kind of want to ask
0: about how that got about, but I want to talk about Seattle, kind of your you talked about Seattle a little bit off, yeah. off
1: camera. I kind of wanted to ask you about Seattle. You were like, it was kind of not cool. So explain yeah. kind of the environment there. So as a tourist, I could see that 100% it'd be awesome to visit, especially if you're into nature. Yeah. Because uh, you have Mount Rainier that you can see everywhere. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The weather, it's not as dreary as people think it is. I mean, it, it rains, but it's not. Weather's perfect all the time. But the people are just, I mean, it's a culture shock. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't have Southern hospitality. You know. Sure. Um, sure. uh, so I like, for example, I held a, held a door for a woman at Walmart one time and she walked up and, you know, I was holding the door and I was going to let her go. And she said, I can, I can open the door by myself. Mm. And I was like, you know, I have called her a name I shouldn't have. Well, fine. You know, and, she, and you know, slam the door in her face. Sure. But this, this like that, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's different. I would assume uh, if we get political just a little bit, I'm sure you don't mind. We're going to get a
1: little bit into that. <laughs> but
0: yeah. uh, Republican versus Democratic type ran states, you can see kind of a difference there. Uh, sometimes I'm sure you've seen that. Uh, oh, yeah. In there in Oregon. Absolutely. Stuff like that. Yeah.
1: They paid, um, not to go into much at at the moment, but the uh, crosswalks, they painted the uh, rainbow flag out mm. of taxpayers' money and it had to be updated like every five years. And it was like, a hundred thousand a year just to paint the crosswalks Wow! rainbow flag. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's a little ridiculous. To but clarify,
0: you're probably more into politics than I am. I know very surface level stuff, but do have opinions about stuff. I know you do. And we'll probably get into that. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome, man. With the military and everything else. Talk about, you talked about your deployments. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that? Kind of go into that a little
1: bit? Yeah, we can do that. Um, I went to the first one was in, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. This, no, you're good. This, uh, pollen stuff, man. Oh yeah, you're good. Um, 2016 was my first one and I went to, uh, the UAE, which was cool out there. Um, United Arab Emirates it was close to Dubai. Oh yeah. Um, that one was pretty cool. And the second one I went to Kuwait and it was right on the border of Iraq and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was in 2020 right at the height of COVID. So I was over there watching America implode on all itself all apart yeah and we were like what is it? why why the toilet paper like you know we yeah. <laughs> it was weird because we were isolated to a you know to a camp out there mm-hmm. and we were watching the news and we we're like what is happening you know i was calling my wife like what's what's going on she's like i have no idea man i remember when COVID hit i was in uh
0: georgia actually on a travel contract in nursing man and it was it was something else um uh, you know watching from in the new york what was happening there at the very beginning man it yeah. was and people in the ER, I worked emergency medicine the majority of my career, and what they were saying was like, "Oh, they're gonna shut down New York." I'm like, "Y'all are crazy! Like, there's <laughs> no way. This is like too yeah. much. Like, this is not happening and all that." But it definitely happened. Sure enough, and, did, and is uh, amazing. Well, thank you again for your service, veteran. Not a vet. Uh, you don't take care. Of, don't don't take care of animals. No, you, took, no. you protected. Uh, I like animals, but yeah, you protected us, man, and I do appreciate. Well, thanks, it. So, man, talking about your career, I know yeah. that you do woodworking. I do. Yeah, you do. You had a coffee thing there for a while. Yeah. So yeah <laughs> my, so so you yeah. kind of all to say you've kind of done some entrepreneurial type stuff yeah. kind of dive into that what your journey was like what you learned from it and okay. uh, go from there because i have this youtube channel i've done a lot of youtube videos in the past don't do that as much kind of getting into the podcast space and it's yeah. just kind of a learning experience so even failures or not necessarily failures just stuff that didn't really take off uh you know you learn from it you grow from it and you gain yeah. experiences that kind of carry on so kind of explain your your uh, stuff with that
1: absolutely so my wife calls me my hobby she calls me a hobbyist. My hobby is having hobbies hmm. is what she says. Cause I, I don't know if it's ADHD or or what, but I mean, I, I swap from one th- and when I, I don't necessarily master it, but when I get good at something, I get bored with it and hmm. then I move on to the next thing. Um, and that's why I like woodworking cause you just, I mean, constantly learning opportunities are endless. Really. Yeah. And you're using hand tools and you're learning new joints and you're learning new ways to do stuff. And it's just, it's never ending. So I think that's why I've stuck with that for so long. But my first, Endeavor I tried to do was uh making soap. Okay. Uh when I was shaving all the time in the military, I was getting real bad razor burn. So I got into the um like the the brush that you whisk the soap up, like old timing. Yes. Um and I found that really helped. And I was like, I could make this soap. Like it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. So I started experimenting and I, I had a um an Etsy shop for a while called a- I think it was Axe Point Shaving. Mm-hmm. And I made shaving soap. And I sold a little bit through there, and then I kind of got bored with it. And that was when I was in Seattle. So we did. I did that. And then when I was in Seattle, I started drinking coffee. Because that's what everybody out there does. That's the sure. cool thing to do. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I didn't drink it growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started that. And then I was like, it doesn't seem that hard to roast the coffee beans. So I started roasting the coffee beans. I got this, um, it's like a 1980s popcorn popper. Mm-hmm. It was like this big. And it was hot air, like a hair dryer. And you could roast coffee with it. So I started doing like small batches. Wow. And I was like, this is awesome. And it tasted really good. A lot better than store-bought like you could it was a mark difference in the taste mm-hmm. um so i moved back and me and my and me and a buddy tried to start um like a coffee coffee company roasting and had a card and it didn't really take off um and then at the at the same time i was doing wood, woodworking so and my dad had always done carpentry so i'd always been around it mm-hmm. but then i got into the finer like uh furniture making side of it started doing tables um commission work all that kind of stuff. Um, I never really had like an LLC or anything like that. It's kind of just by word of mouth in okay. Facebook. Um, but I still have that. I just, I just don't have time for it. Yeah, you know, right now with school and all that. But, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Those were like the three big things I got into. Okay. But, well, you mentioned school, so uh talk yeah. about school. What you're in currently? What's going on with that? Yeah. So I'm uh in my second to last semester of paramedic school. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I finished that um i really like you said the er um our local hospital you can get on as a paramedic in the er right and work in your full scope right so i plan on doing that and get some experience and then i want to do the um i want to get my critical care and then do uh survival flight oh yeah the uh, helicopter mm-hmm. so that's, that's it the, with the
0: military plan. background air force you know that'd be that'd be sounds like right up your alley man. yeah that's great be awesome that's great uh, yeah i know a good many guys that do that um from the Gadsden area done it and retired from it and different things like that. But when they did it, they loved it. They really loved the experience and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, my background is emergency medicine. I kind of alluded to that before. So yeah. um, even starting out as a nurse, man, I think it just makes you really well-rounded, you know, working in that area. Yeah. Um, and when you see, it's good to see all, all phases of it. Cause you're a fireman, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if we established it or not earlier, Yeah. but um, you see them from the scene Mm-hmm. then you get to see them in transportation, then you get to see them in the hospital. Like you said, you want to work in the hospital, you're going to get to see all the phases. You understand what's needed so much better oh, know, yeah. versus just somebody being in the hospital not being on the scene. You don't understand what's going on there or somebody that's just on the scene, not in the hospital. They don't understand what happens after you take them there. So I think that's a good thing to see both sides. You know, see yeah. both sides of that and everything. That's going to be a great experience, man. Awesome stuff. So we talked about your military service. Um, let's talk about... Uh, your wife, you're married? Yeah, I am. And do you have kids? I got two kids. Okay, okay. So talk a little bit
1: about your wife, kinda how that happened and uh as much as you want to dive into it, man. Yeah. So um at JSU I met her, which I guess that's the whole reason God led me to uh JSU was I met her. We had a class side by side one another and I thought she was hot, so I (laughs) talked to her and you know, one thing led to another and ten years later we're still together. Mm -hmm. We got married in twenty fourteen. So we're going on. Going on almost 10 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. So it's a lot of, we stay busy. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. So yeah. military
0: living, uh, were you deployed when you had a child here?
1: I was, yeah. I yeah. had, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I just had the one at the time. Okay. Uh, and he was two. And it's crazy when you're gone for eight months, how much yeah. can change. You don't really, you don't really think about it. Yeah. But um, you know, I'd see them over FaceTime and all that stuff when it would connect. Yeah, um, But yeah, a lot changes in eight months, so I just had the one. Yeah, just the one at the time. There might so. be listeners that maybe thinking about going to the
0: military. Maybe they have families. Maybe they don't. But kind of explain on that. How was that experience having a child, having your wife at home and deployment? It's a beautiful thing that you did it, and it's an honorable thing. But yeah. how
1: uh, there's had to be struggle there. How was that overall? It's tough, man, uh, because you're on – I think we were 12 hours apart. Mm. So when I'd be awake, you know, she'd be asleep or going to bed. And uh, the Wi-Fi, which they have it, mm-hmm. in my first appointment, we had a Wi-Fi tent. And you could only connect for, like, 10 minutes every 12 or 18 hours, something like that. Wow. So you'd have to make your conversations quick and to the point. And um, my second one, though, they had it base-wide. You could get it anywhere, which was nice. But you still had the the logistics of it, being able to, like, I'm going to wake up at this time so I can, you know, see her before she goes to work and She's going to call me at this time before I go to bed. Um, But it definitely, if you can make it through, it definitely makes a marriage stronger. Yeah. Um, And that's what I say. My biggest advice for young people that get married, like move away from your hometown Mm. because we got married and we were 19 years old. Yeah. We got married. We were just kids Mm -hmm. and we moved to Seattle, 3000 miles away. Mm -hmm. And when something happened, we didn't have mommy and daddy to run to right to fix our problems or to to vent to like we are in a 900 square foot apartment for three years of you know the first of our marriage Hmm. so if we had issues we had to work them out because there was was nowhere to go we didn't have any friends or you know which we could you know you could call but we didn't have that immediate help so you had to you had to work things out some people would say that's a nightmare almost
0: that you don't have other people I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that's, that's truly taking you into manhood, man. Becoming a leader. I feel like you don't have a choice.
1: No, you got to nut up and do it. Exactly. Or it's going to fail.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you have a choice, man. A lot of people would be like, uh, that's terrible, but through hardship, you gain clarity through hardship. Oh, you gain stamina, you know, especially in a marriage and stuff like that. It requires it, you know, just yeah. like I think things we've been through probably in life as you go through it is tough. But if you get through it, you look back and like, I grew so much from that. Oh, I'm sure yeah. you
1: have married, 10 years of marriage. I'm sure there's a lot of that. And that's what I like about Facebook seeing the memories pop up yeah. and it'll be like, you know, 10 years ago. And I'm like, man, we were kids just and man. we were, we were by ourselves out here in yeah. uh, this huge city and, um, uh, it, it helped us a lot because, you know, she had only lived with her parents and I'd only lived with my parents and then we're just, we're, we were just put together. Mm-hmm. So we had to work out family differences and, uh, traditions and all kind of, you know, how family, different families sure. are coming together and how to, how to mesh and how to work it out. And, um, and the hardest thing I think too, for most people would be when we left Seattle, we drove from Seattle to Alabama. Oh, wow. It was like a five day trip. Yeah. We were in the car with each other for eight hours at a time. And that can either really make a marriage or really oh, break yeah. a marriage. Some people don't make it on vacation, but, man. Yeah, so that, that. that's crazy. So we knew like when we came home and we made it through that, um, we we're like, we, you know, we have a pretty, pretty strong marriage. Yeah, it's the test, so, man. I mean, it when is. When you
0: go through trials, you see what's going to stand, you know, the solid foundation. Yeah. Maren Morris, Bones, If the Bones Are Good, it's a song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, then, yeah, it's a similar thing, about. man. Similar yeah. thing. So you alluded to a little bit about your uh, Christian walk. Uh, we grew up together uh, yeah, in man. the church, in the church. Um, I yeah. have a brother. You have a sister. We all grew
1: up in the church together. We're all about well, mm-hmm. they're, they're about the same age. and Right. And you're, you're two years younger than me? Yeah, I'm 20, 29, about to be 30. I'm, thir- I'm 31. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But
0: two years younger than me, we were in Praise Bend together. A lot of stuff, dude, man. That, that's right. Yeah. Dude, a lot that. of stuff, man.
1: So you still play drums?
0: I do. Okay. I do. Still play yeah, drums, man. Yeah. Yeah, still try to stay at it, but yeah. So yeah. tell me about um kind of your Christian walk when you became saved. Uh, What's yeah. your Christian walk has kind of been like throughout your life?
1: Yeah, so um at at Southside Baptist, that's where that's where we went. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was baptized when I was like super young, like six or seven, and which yeah, it, it's it's good news for all people, but I don't think at that point like a, a child. Which people may disagree with me. I don't think a a child can grasp the the severity of the decision that they're making. Not really the severity, but the 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 weightiness of the of the decision they're making. That's a big deal. Yeah. And so, you, you'd probably agree with me. the The youth group we we're in it it seemed like it was, and even the church. I don't know. I haven't been back, but. It seemed like it was very works based mm. I don't know if you would agree with that, mm, yeah, I could see that to the to the most part, mm-hmm. like you you know you don't smoke, drink or cuss well, that's the Baptist I mean yeah, that's what it is, is. Yeah. it is in a way you, you don't you don't do that and you come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. sure you're you'll go to heaven, you know, no doubt, and that kind of I don't know, there was a lot of stuff that happened during that time when I was in youth group that kind of that kind of pushed me away from religion for a while. Mm. And I wouldn't say I was a atheist. I was more, I I think I was just mad at God Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to have anything to do with him for like at the end of high school, all the way up until like 2020. Wow. So almost 10, 11 years I didn't, I wasn't about God or religion or any of that stuff, you know? So your profession um, of
0: faith. I was like at seven seven years old, yeah, something yeah, like that, yeah. and then baptism following.
1: Yep, and then you know I did all the stuff in high school, all the stuff I thought I was supposed to do, right? And then went through some kind of traumatic events mm-hmm. and kind of got mad at God, mm-hmm. and then He pulled me up out of the out of the muck and the mire. And in twenty twenty on my deployment, actually my last deployment, I can remember, um. And I tell my wife, it's like my Lazarus moment, like the dead man came back to life, you know, wow. um, I get chills talking about it, but, uh, sure. but yeah, um, took me a long time and it took a lot of work on, on, I'm sure my wife prayed, you know, she's, she's a really good woman, really godly, faithful woman. And I know she prayed for me and her prayers, you know, were answered and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's great, man. That's a, that's a beautiful story.
0: Yeah. Um, do you want to go specifically kind of into, uh into what occurred. We talk about trauma. I sure. think a lot of people go through stuff too. Um, and a lot of people, we talk about the work-based thing. You talked, you mentioned that. And I think yeah. a lot of churches, we live in the South, it's kind of what it is. Like you go to church and you do the right thing and you're saved versus actually having a relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. which is what I think is the whole design. I think Jesus came to take that away. All these yeah. people were living by all these laws and but we do all this stuff. It's like, he just asked them to follow him. Like yeah, he, he said, the law. right, right. Yeah. Follow me and I'll, you know, mold your heart and all that um, yeah. versus it being works based. Um, so tell me kind of about on the deployment. How did you come back to Christ?
1: Uh, what kind of events transpired there? Yeah. we can even, if you want, go into what led up to my. Sure. I guess agnosticism, whatever you want to call sure, it. Sure. Um, absolutely. So do you and want to start with that? I guess we can. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I, won't, I won't say any names because I don't know how far this will reach, but. The sure. youth pastor at the time. Um, I had three grandparents die within like six months of each other. It was just bam, bam, bam. Mm. And um And that was what year? Two thousand and nine. Okay. I think I was in like ninth grade, tenth grade. Okay. And I had um, uh, you know, some stuff going at home on at home as well with my uh with my dad. And then that happened. So I went to my youth pastor, you know, somebody I thought I could confide in and, mm-hmm. and rely on and get spiritual guidance i was like all this stuff is happening i don't know what to do and pretty much told me like do your grandparents died because your faith wasn't strong enough mm. um yeah i remember that being said to me and i was like you know what i felt like i k- killed my grandparents like like it was your fault bro. and i was you know i was doing going to you know following the rules, going to church every Sunday, not smoking, drinking, you know, cussing, all these Southern Baptist things. And this still happened. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what's, what's the point? If, if I'm doing all these things right and this still happens and it's because of me, then what, then what's the point? And that sent me into a a very downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, and even so with my father, if you, you know, you want to talk about mental health. Sure. Um, he had, he hit it for a while. You know, my whole family, we all went to Southside baptist he was a, a very heavy drinker okay uh alcoholic um super great guy when he wasn't on uh on his on alcohol uh but when he was you know there was a you know like verbal abuse and and stuff like that and um you know that went on for a while uh, my sister moved out she went to um, alabama so it was just me and my mom at the house when okay. the majority of this stuff was going on okay and then his my grandmother, his mom was the first one to die. When she passed away, it kinda got worse from there. His drinking did. Was in a car wreck, got hooked on pain pills, um, you know, and all this stuff was happening behind closed doors because we were real um heavy heavily involved in the in well, the church. Well, I think
0: that's really common. Sorry to interrupt a little bit. Yeah, no, but you have to keep that image. You know, if oh, you give yeah. a Christian household, you have these standards. Yeah. by all these people you can't say i'm suffering you can't do that you no. gotta you've gotta keep this you can't be real or i think people think you can't um but that's why i think it's really important to develop relationships with people that you can be real with man oh yeah because everybody struggles with stuff people that say they don't align the man they're lying everybody struggles with something well you know man, and i like just, i like
1: to talk about um the woman at the well yeah. like you know she was there in the in the middle of the day when everybody else went in the morning, because she didn't want to be seen by the townspeople, right? And when God, and when Jesus talks about, it, he says, "I have to go this way," and they're like, "Why? Why do you want to go this way? A shorter route is this way," and he said, "No, I have to go this way." So he already knew he was going to encounter this woman, right? And when he gets there, he just airs out her dirty laundry. I mean, he just like, "You're you're sleeping with this man that's not your husband," you know mm-hmm. all this stuff. And like Dang Jesus, and she's like, he 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 exposes it, and then gives her gives her healing mm-hmm. and i think that's what a lot of people and especially i did we we bury it and bury it and bury it and there's no healing in that um and it just bottles up to a point and that's what that's what happened with me especially after i was told that about i didn't have enough faith um or i didn't pray enough or something like that and that's when my grandparents died and i remember i was in my in my room and i haven't really talked about this a lot um but i was in my room and um you know in the south we have a lot of guns and I remember having um, having a gun in my hand, um, mm. and I had a note written. Um, that was when I was 15 years old. Wow. Um, yeah, because um, it just got too much, man. Like you can't put the weight that weight of something on a on a kid, mm-hmm. you know um not meant to hold it it's hard enough for adults
0: it is kids kids aren't
1: aren't aren't adaptable like that to hold stuff like that yeah so yeah i remember that um and thank god i'm you know i'm still here
2: Mm -hmm.
0: well thank you for being open about that man yeah Uh, that's not something i knew about i appreciate you being open and sharing that with us absolutely with everybody man um so you kind of talked about what happened there um we were going to get into what happened in 2020 in the military. Oh, yeah. So what was leading up to that?
1: You talked about the alcohol and the, all of that. So kind of what yeah. happened after that? So I went on this 10-year, 10, <clears throat> 10 or 11-year of span of not um, having anything to do with religion or God and, you know, being mad about it. My wife would talk to me, and I'd just be like, you know, shut up. I don't want to hear it. Um, I know all this, and it, it's kind of like the, the buzzword now is deconstruction, I think people say i deconstructed from Christianity um which i don't think i deconstructed i was just mad at god like i knew he was out there but i was just i was just mad at him and i didn't want to have right. anything to do with him um and you know pornography is a big thing with men um and i was married and i was looking at things on the internet that I shouldn't have been sure and on deployment and my wife found out and she confronted me about it and that kind of, that kind of, I don't really know. It kind of opened my eyes. Like what, you know, what am I doing as a husband? Like, um, I'm, I'm doing this to my wife and I'm hurting her, which I, I thought it was harmless, right? but to her and to, and to sexuality and to a marriage, that's a big deal. Mm. Um, and so uh, she, conf- she confronted me about it and we, and we got through that and I was still on deployment. And, um, I remember I was on YouTube, like scrolling for something to watch and a a sermon from, um, Matt Chandler, Have you ever heard of him Mm -hmm. popped up and it was, it was about the woman at the well, uh, and I watched it and it's just like, God just sucker punched me, you know, in the, in the face. Mm -hmm. And I broke down like in the middle of, you know, Kuwait, I was Mm -hmm. in my room. And I remember, you know, just having this moment of where God, he, he took the heart of stone that I had and and made it into flesh. And, um, I came back and about a year later I was baptized at the church that I'm at now. Okay. Um, so that's really, really that in a nutshell. That's awesome.
0: Thanks again for being vulnerable. (laughs) I think a lot of people deal with pornography. They do. Um, Yeah, you know, that's something I've dealt with as a, as a child, as a young person as well. Yeah, got through that, but I think a lot of people aren't vulnerable enough to say that. No. But I think the majority of men, just how we're designed and the easy access to that, it just Dude. happens. It just happens. Dude, I think, it's, at, it's at the
1: fingertips, man. That's it. It's, that's yeah. it,
0: and that's the problem. Just the availability and to get into neurochemistry and stuff, dopamine and all yeah. that is is so addictive that it's almost impossible to break.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Um, it's something I, something I dealt with uh, early twenties primarily, even teens and stuff like that. Um, I don't even know how I quit. To be completely honest, I think it's just the grace of God. I just felt convicted by it, and just lost the desire almost for that. Uh, But it's definitely something I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, How did you? How did you? Do you feel like that was God that kind of led you to do that? That kind of took away that desire from you to
1: stop doing that, or how did you stop doing it? Yeah, I think so. It was just cold turkey Mm -hmm. because one, I saw how much it affected my wife and how much it hurt her. Mm -hmm. and i was like as a man of my house and as a husband i don't i don't ever want to put my wife through that Mm -hmm. i don't ever want to make her feel less than i don't want to ever make her feel small inadequate you know all this stuff because i'm I'm supposed to build her up um and because of my actions i was i was tearing her down and i Mm -hmm. had no idea right um that's great of her to be vulnerable with you though oh absolutely tell you that i think some
0: people are kind of scared to it, difficult things are afraid to confront it that shows
1: a strong woman man that's great you yeah, have a wife like dude, that would, yeah she just yeah i was i was scared to death dude i was like a deer in a headline like, yeah i so. bet but that's that's
0: that's great that she did that and it helps you get through that man that's awesome yeah uh, great story about your faith man i'm glad uh, thankfully that you shared all that that's uh, that's a beautiful story and i think a lot of people have similar stories uh sometimes you you know stray away but i want to make a point that Although people may hurt you, that's not God through people hurting you, right. I think people deal with that at churches all the time mm. I, I have a friend I'm not going to say his name I don't want to put that out there. a great guy, but he's been hurt by somebody in the church, yeah, and he's like, I'm not going back, I'm not doing it and it's so sad to me because God didn't do that, yeah, you know it was the people that did that we're We're sinful people, we make mistakes if we make mistakes, we got to own up to it, ask for forgiveness for from god and and you know um. Work with people to get through stuff like that, yeah, but it's just so sad that people can ruin uh, ruin your faith like that. I think that's
1: it's really sad to me yeah, and that took me a while to realize like it wasn't it wasn't God, it was this guy that had twisted the scripture right um but yeah i I hundred percent agree that a lot of people are hurt by people in the church and they think it's God, which I mean the church is is supposed to be full of people that are i mean imperfect imperfect and and hypocrites yeah. a lot of people are like oh i don't want to go to church it's just full of hypocrites Well, but, but well, as good.
0: a as a leader you have a responsibility yeah
1: especially over children yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah and that's another thing i what i tell a lot of people like i try to be the dad that i needed um when i was younger that's beautiful because um, he was there but he, he wasn't he was absent uh i guess mentally mm-hmm. uh he's physically there but he, he wasn't mentally there Um, so there's a lot of things that I had to YouTube as a young man that, um, I'm still mad about and still, you know, trying to, trying to get over, you know, as a, as an adult, but I just try to be what 15 year old Logan, you know, needed, um, from a dad. And that's what I try to try to give to my boys, which they're, they're still young one in five, but, um, hopefully Hopefully, they'll see that when they're older. That's beautiful, man. So,
0: that's a great take. Talk about uh, your kids, man. So, you talked about marriage, your wife, and everything like that. Ten years. What a milestone. Yeah, i think in this time, dude, that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Talk about your children, kind of your experience of being a dad. What's that been like for you?
1: Yeah. Well, at first, <clears throat> excuse me, at first, I I really didn't want kids when we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, But after I saw how my wife was and how her heart and how compassionate she was and loving, you know, she kind of... She kind of changed my mind because I was like, "This, I can't deprive her of of kids." You yeah, know, she, and she wanted children. She did, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, "She's too great of a woman." You know, she she deserves it. Which I I I'm glad I did now because I I wouldn't dream of another life without them. Um. But, but at first it was difficult coming from a, a background of having a a dad that wasn't that wasn't a father figure. And trying to adjust and, and figure out um how to be a dad i read a lot of blogs and yeah and reddit pages and all that stuff you know to to prepare but um it's the most exhausting and rewarding thing i've ever done that's what i've heard so man. yeah especially yeah. with a one-year-old right now i bet so
0: i bet having two under five or five and one that's that's a lot man a lot of responsibility yes. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah my
1: five-year-old just started um kindergarten so, um, he's loving that. He's thriving. Awesome. So and my wife, she stays at home. So she's getting some one on one time with our one year old. So awesome, man.
0: Glad to hear it. Love it. We yeah. got a bunch of topics to go down, man. We're gonna hit this one. Uh transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, et cetera, is my yeah. note. Uh again, just to say, uh I'm gonna kinda say my opinion just to start. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in a lot of that stuff. It's not my thing. I love those people. I love everybody. Absolutely. Um, I think you can love somebody and not agree with what they do. You know, just like uh, I'm sure your dad. I think you love your dad. You know, you don't agree with everything that he did, how things transpired or whatever, but you still love him. Uh, I'm around tons of people all the time. I love them, you know, Mm -hmm. but we don't have to always agree. Some people like Alabama. Some people like Auburn. (laughs) It's the same exact thing. I still love them and all that. So, but transgenderism specifically, you talked to on your social media about that. I've seen some posts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, kind of talk about that. What, how, uh, what's your opinion on all that? So I have, uh,
1: family members that are, um, homosexual, you know, okay. part of the LGBT, um, all that community, which I, you know, I don't want to out anybody cause that's apparently a big deal if you out people. Um, sure. But well, we're not
0: here really to call out either. Because no, no, you know, no, right. we still love them. Well, yeah, we do. But we just might not agree
1: with what they do. Right. Right. So, you know, it first started with You know, if you're if you're a man and you want to be a woman and you're and you're an adult, you're a consenting adult, okay, fine, whatever. Mm-mm. I'm gonna tell you what I believe because you're obviously gonna tell me and show me what you believe. But then it got to the point where these uh parents were forcing it on their kids and that's where i I draw a hard line and that's where i started posting on social media one of them was from steven crowder i shared it and it was like there's no such thing as transgender kids just abusive parents Mm. and i think that's 100 percent true you know a lot of people i had some people message me mad about that on Mm. facebook and instagram um but if a child who who still thinks santa claus is real or who still thinks you know you know, when they play dress up, they're actually an astronaut or they're actually a, a a policeman or whatever. If they still have that fantasy in their head, there's no way they can have the reality of I want to be a girl or right. I want to be a boy if they're the opposite gender. So it's just this ad- agenda of these parents forcing this on their kids and then getting them on puberty blockers and then just ruining their whole life. Um, is where I is where I have a problem with it. Yeah, and
0: you know, I I know a lot of stories of uh, homosexual people um that their parents disown them you know yeah um different things like that and i think that's that's terrible i think you know biblically we're christians what we believe biblically it's it's not the way it's supposed to be right you know, that's yeah. just what the bible says no matter what i think or whoever um but i think we have to love people i think the approach i think you know we have to stand for what's right uh what we believe is right whoever live by your convictions yeah. You know, absolutely. But I think we need to to love people in those instances. Now, that's with homosexuality, transgenderism, especially doing stuff in schools. We're doing stuff to children. Uh Children don't have the capacity to understand. Like you said, they play dress up. They believe in Santa Claus. They do all yeah. this stuff they don't and we we guide them and think you know whatever but they don't have the capacity to make huge decisions no especially sexuality and all that if coming from a medical perspective puberty you know happens 11 12 13 years old school aged kids aren't even thinking about that they're no. not even thinking about they're just thinking about having fun and playing with each other and all that yeah all these things have to be put into their mind it mm-hmm. has to be in my opinion this is from a medical
1: understanding and it that is. I have. Yeah. yeah and even some of the books that. um are allowed in libraries. Elementary school libraries are talking about um, sexuality and impositions positions and how to have you know two guys can have intercourse and you know it's all. Kind of, this is in school age children. Yeah, it's in the, like mm-hmm. elementary schools. I've seen some some parents go to like city council meetings and school board meetings and show them like this is what is in our kids' schools and this is what you're you're teaching our our children. You know they can check this book out from the library. Um, so I, I don't know, really, I don't really know how it all started. Yeah. I was, um, was going to say, I don't know how we got here. I don't uh, I really don't. But one of the biggest things I say is, is the pride month. We have a whole month of pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look in, in the book of Genesis, the first sin that was committed when Eve taken the apple, I mean, that was pride. Mm-hmm. You look at why Satan was cast down from heaven. It was pride. We have this whole month celebrating, and pride is one of the seven deadly sins that's true, and you have this whole month, which it may be a stretch, you know, um but you have this whole month celebrating pride and being proud of who you were made to be when in actuality you're going against the creator right um and some of those people you know they may not care about religion and they don't care, but as an image bearer of God, I see these people, you know I'm worried about their eternity right, so i'm you know, if I tell them they're wrong, and that and that makes me a a bigot or a, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just telling you the truth because I care about you, right? And it's and it's not from a hateful place at all. When it comes to kids, uh, that that's a different story. But when it comes to you as an adult, it's not coming from a hateful place. You know, I'm telling you this because I care about your eternity. Mm. Uh, but it's 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 not seen as that, right? Um. Well, I think it's hard for. It's hard to have the discussions. Uh
0: people I think it, it generally in this time don't like correction. Nobody no. wants to be corrected. Mm-mm. Nobody wants to be convicted. Nobody wants to be told and sometimes that's good. Biblically we know that. Like you need conviction. You need yeah. stuff guiding something guiding your life. We're human. We make mistakes and all that. Kind of getting off the beaten path there but yeah. Um yeah, the, the whole thing to me, even from a medical standpoint, uh, given hormone blockers, doing all this stuff, mm-hmm. if you go down to the DNA strands, yeah. base DNA, a female is a female and a male is a male. Yeah. Um, that's just factual statement. That's not saying you can't feel whatever you can. That's fine. You know, People can feel that and all that. But I'm just saying from a medical standpoint, the DNA cannot be changed.
1: Yeah, It's bear- impossible. If, if you die and they dig you up 100 years from now, they're not going to know your pronouns, right? They're going to, they're not going to know what you identified as. They're going to take a, a DNA sample and see this was a female or this was a male. That's a great point. I think um, Satan
0: uses confusion. He uses oh, confusion. Absolutely. And I think we've gone so far, you know, um, yeah. so far. There was a, a guy on a podcast one time. He said, uh, how all this is happening, uh, all these things that are popping up is because we don't have any, any problems. We don't have problems. <laughs> Life is too easy. It is, you know? yeah. And I think to an extent that is true. You think about um, even depression, anxiety, all this stuff. Go back thousands of years. Who had that? Like yeah. We were trying to survive. These huge elephants were trying to stomp us to death. We didn't have time to like, be depressed. Yeah. We were trying to survive. And we've almost comforted ourselves so much that our lives are so easy. We have all these problems come up. That's not to say people don't go through stuff and be depressed, and I, it it does happen. Yeah, but kind of look at it from that perspective.
1: It's an interesting take for sure. Yeah, and I also told my wife it's like the new, like when we were in school, you were like emo or goth. You know, that was how you you were you stood out and right. how you defied your parents pretty much. And it seems like that's the new way to to go against society, is being transgender because it's against the norm. Um, well, I think in the '60s we had, uh, what was it, free love? Yeah. I was at 70s, 70s or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, I feel like every generation's kind of had a thing to rebel. Yeah. Uh, starting kind of during that time. And that was after World War II. I like history, man. <laughs> I like looking at this stuff like that. Yeah. But it's something to definitely think about. Well, we talked about that. Got that out of the way. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about speaking up, man. Kind of going toward what we just talked about. The cost of not speaking up. This is something that um, that really i'm committed to i feel like it's standing for truth you know people say it's my truth it's whatever i think there's one truth in in my opinion and that's god's truth what god's given us through the bible through his holy spirit through our convictions kind of what is your uh opinion on that standing up for what's right and how far should you go because a lot of people get offended nowadays that's what it is you can't have an opinion you can't fight anybody
1: how hard is it to stand up for truth I think with social media, how it is, we do, there's not as much face-to-face interaction as there used to be. So I think you can post an opinion on Facebook, and sure, people are going to comment on it and, and give you their opinion, but you don't have to suffer the, the backlash that you used to have um, speaking face-to-face. Um, and that's made people a lot more bolder, I think, because they, they just say whatever they want, which is a bad thing to some extent. Um but i think as a christian you're called to you know stand up for truth and it and it is a fine line of give and it's and it's uh pers- the person you're talking to can vary like one person could see it as love and then the next person you say the exact same thing they could see it as hate good point um so i think you just got to for me you just the you just preach what you know is right you just tell what you know is right and and let the let the pieces fall where they may um like i had a I had a friend that was a homosexual Mm -hmm. and they were like, I just, I was just born this way. And I was like, okay, I'll meet you at middle ground and I'll agree you were born this way. But what does Jesus say to Nicodemus? He says, you must be born again. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not an excuse. How do I get into heaven? You must be born again. Mm -hmm. And just like with me with uh, lust, uh, you know, I could say with the pornography, Mm -hmm. um, I don't go around saying I have pride in in this sin i turned to god and i was born again and he made me a new creation with a new heart for new things set on him so i think it's a very selfish thing that people are doing saying this this is how i was born this is my truth well sure you, you we're all born sinners that's a good point we are all born sinners it's been from day one with adam and eve that's the and it's carried over to us but you have to be born again, and and people that say they're Christians and they're homosexuals, having homosexual tendencies is one thing, or and not acting on it, I guess. But if you're in a like a a relationship, you, I mean, you have to be born again, mm-hmm. and, and you know I've I've had some conversations with people about that, and you know they don't want to hear it because it, I guess, their ego and their, you know, it, it hurts their pride, yeah. and, you know. Um, but you have to speak what you know is is right. And the Bible says that, you know, this is wrong, this is right, it's black and white, there's really no gray area, and people want to say that when he was talking about homosexuality, he was when Paul was writing about about it, he was talking about um arsenicoitai, which is um he was talking about male masters having sexual relations with male servants, Hmm. and it was like a degrading it's, it's not, talk. they they say it's not talking about a loving consent, consenting relationship. Mm-hmm. They're talking about an abusive Master's power. Stage, yeah. Yeah. But it's still a man with a male. Even right. if you want to go there, it's still homosexuality, whether it's consenting or not. Right. And that's their argument, which Arsene Koitai, he, he coined that, Paul coined that word because it means man, I think it man bed. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really a term for homosexuality back in the day, but it was practiced. So it was. Um, man bed so it was like man lies with a man mm-hmm. and all these progressive and woke um christianity and religions are saying no he was talking about a male you know a uh, degrading relationship not a love and consenting relationship but it doesn't say that right you know they're they're making it very they're putting a lot of their own words in it when mm-hmm. the bible was very black and white
0: mm-hmm. um it's tough because you want to have these conversations you know, in a loving way. And you try to sometimes, but it's tough. It's tough to, yeah. it's just easy to get triggered. I mean, we talk about stuff. If you're passionate about something, if you believe something, you kind of get triggered, you know, about sure, certain yeah. things. So I think people that believe that if you're, if we talk, you know, concerning that saying, this might not be the best idea. You know, yeah. maybe the Bible says it's, it's tough to get people to understand that. Uh, but again, we all go through trials, man, just like yeah. we did with lust Um, everybody goes through things and how long that lasts, whatever, you know, that's everybody's journey. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, judge people for that. I don't think it's right to judge anybody. We still stand for truth and we say what truth is, but, uh, the main thing is just don't judge people about it
1: because we all have a journey and we all learn from that, you know? So one of my biggest things about, about telling people the truth is there's a, a phrase and I know you've heard it, you know, God loves the, the sinner, but hates the sin. Yeah. Which, okay, I get the, sen- the sentiment of it. But at the end, when you die, he's not sending your sin to hell. He's sending you. That's a good point. So, we, uh, I mean, you have to be bold in this. I mean, if we have a good news that can save you, it's, it's selfish of a Christian to keep that to, to yourself. Right. If, it's, if the gospel is, in fact, the good news, we need to be spreading it to everybody we can because God doesn't sin. The sin to hell, he sends the sinner, actual sinner. So we need to be bold, even if it means stepping on some toes, to get them to realize the severity of their actions. Well, yeah, I agree. But, you know, I had, I've had interactions with some uh,
0: homosexual people, um, and they say, you know, Christians have got a bible and hit them with it you know not, ex- <laughs> yeah. not exactly but stuff like that yeah. and i think some people especially in the homosexual arena kind of view christians as that i don't know if they've had somebody lovingly say you know or listen to a sermon and say hey come with me the church just listen to this yeah you don't have to take it you don't have to agree with it stuff like that if if i had somebody that i wanted to talk to them about it there's a loving way to do that there is i, I think and especially in the south there's such a you see people on the side of the road yelling at people. I don't think God wants us to do that. I just no. don't. He wants us to develop loving relationships yeah. with people, and that's what I try to do with individuals. You know, develop close relationships with people. We're all in sin. We all have yeah, to yeah. confess every you know, day. We, you know, we all sin. So yeah. you, we, I can't judge anybody for that. You know, I just develop loving
1: relationships with people, show them the light of Christ, and that's all. All you do. Yeah, definitely. You do. You definitely need to build a relationship, and then can't just yell at somebody and exactly. expect. Because as soon as you start yelling in a in an argument, both sides, you know, are cut off. Well, I think doing it out of love uh, definitely isn't yelling, right? You know, just Absolutely, doing it, do it in a calm way. Which uh, people in they, the South, you know, they get and start yelling. They and, get fired up, man. You know, the devil and all this stuff, especially so. Alabama
0: football. <laughs> it's messed up. Uh, yeah,
1: we already talked about married life, life with
0: kids. Uh, so let's talk about mental health a little bit, man. We talked a little bit about mental health earlier. Yeah. Um. I don't know if you remember this. I think, I don't know if you told me this. I don't know if you posted this before, but we talked about anger. I've seen something okay. about anger in the past, dealt with anger. Yeah. I think that's something in my late teens, early twenties, that's something I dealt with and have learned to kind of overcome that through my twenties. Uh, I feel like, especially God's delivering me from that kind of. Uh, go through your story with
1: that, how you were able to overcome that and, and kind of your struggle with that, what that was like. Yeah. So in like elementary school, I had a real, and even into like middle school, I had a real bad temper. And I don't know if it was from home life from a, a dad that was drinking. Sure. Um, and I just kind of mimicked what I saw, I guess, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I had a, I remember in elementary school, I had a, a specified seat in the principal's office because I would get in bots and I'd get in trouble all the time. I just knew, you know, that's where I go to sit when I get in trouble, um, and then I, I, I guess, just with maturity um, and growing as a man, I just learned to, uh, to I don't know. I've never really thought about, you know, the anger side of it, um, because when we were in Seattle, um, I still wasn't living a Christian life, and I will say I had anger issues. And then, you know, people, you know, crossing the road and people blowing the horn at you, I'd go to their window oh, and, wow. and confront them. One, one time we had this, <laughs> this dude, we were walking down the streets of Seattle at Pox Market and he's in a wheelchair and he's coming down behind us and it's like a, a slope. And me and my wife are walking and he's, she's up against the building side and I'm on the roadside and this guy's like, beep, beep, get out of the effing way. And I turned. He and, said that? Yeah. And he's behind uh-huh. us in a wheelchair and he's got his leg up, broke leg. So, I grab Megan, my wife, and I pull her off, you know, to the side. And when he comes by, I grab the back of his wheelchair and, like, and I stop him. I get down in his ear and I said, What, the, you know, what did you just say? And uh, I guess he heard my accent. He was like, Take your stupid butt back to Tennessee or something like that. And I said, I'm from Alabama, you stupid. And I started like, I'm going to roll you. And I started pushing him towards the street and there's cars. You know, yeah. And he was like, Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You know, so I had bad anger. Even then, um, and I, I've never really thought about it. It seems to, I don't want to say it resolved itself, but I guess with maturity and, and growing in, in Christ and, and being in the word, um, it's just kind of dissipated.
0: I think it's a common thing, man, especially with men. I think we're assertive, yeah. uh, you know, you're military, my dad was military. I've talked about this in other podcasts, yeah. kind of how I was raised, very structured. You do the right thing, assertiveness, you yeah. go after you get it. If you want it, you go get it. And I think with assertiveness comes kind of some irritability, anger, kind of overdrive to get what you want and stuff like that. And I think a lot of men deal with that. Um, you see abusive situations with, with men on women, stuff like that. It's very common. I think it's just the, and, but the Bible talks about that, how, how quick we are to anger, you know, and how to
1: prevent that and stuff like that. Be slow to anger. Um, yes, attribute, attribute to God talks about is, you know, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, and that And that took a while it wasn't until you know twenty seven twenty eight that I really started and it takes a lot now to to rile me up you know i I work at the fire department, so when you have a fire you know you have to be aggressive and it's right. and it seems like through military training through fire training it's a switch you learn to to cut on and cut off um because you have to be aggressive in a fire or or your life is literally on the line um so you have to be assertive and know what and go in and know what you're going to do and get out mm-hmm. um you can't you can't think twice because that split second you're trying to think um, a ceiling could collapse on you or, or whatever that's right um so it's a switch i guess through training like you were saying military and through the fire service it's a switch you just learn to to operate well it's like more effectively sp- it's like in sports you know people
0: on uh, the football field they're trying to kill each other yeah, practically. Yeah. but then you know the, at the end of the game they're shaking hands hugging each other stuff like that it is and i think that's an art i think you have to kind of know like when you're at work you're in focus mode you're doing your thing all that and then when you come home to family and children it's time to flip the switch off man it's oh. time to relax and stuff like that yeah and i think it does take maturity i think it's time it takes time to master that and i don't know that a lot of people get there especially in their late 20s even it takes time it takes time to master that
1: it takes yeah a lot of practice i guess and a lot of being in those situations like you know in the er you know we're dispatched to a house and somebody's unconscious and we get there and they're having a code like you have to know you have to flip that switch and know what to do at that exact moment because time is is brain time is heart you know all that stuff Mm -hmm. um and when you get done you flip that switch and you go back to the station and you finish dinner or you finish doing whatever. Right. Um, you know, we've had some nasty calls where we're about to sit down and eat dinner. We get a call and you flip that switch on, you do what you gotta do, and you come back and you finish eating and it was like Didn't taste the same. Thinking back and you're like, man, I how did I how did I finish eating after seeing that? Like I would have been throwing up, you know, but it's it's um you're just focused in on what you have to do. Um, So
0: talk about fire. We didn't really talk about fire a lot. How has your experience been being a fireman, how long have you done that? Yeah. And what's that experience been like for you?
1: I can say I wish I would have done it instead of the military. I wish okay. I would have done it a lot sooner. Okay. Um right out of high school, I wish I would have done it. because um, I love it. I feel like I wasted eight years, which I got the GI Bill. I got right. bad knees from the military. That's about Damn. all they gave me. Uh but I love it. Um I joined the fire service in twenty twenty two. So I've only been doing it for about a year and a half. Mm. Um I just felt like I had this uh this desire to help people and I didn't really know what that meant. My sister's a PA in Birmingham so she right. she's in a a doctor's office and I hear the complaints that she has and I'm like, well, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Um and when I first got out of the military, I looked at going into nursing, but they wanted me to retake the ACT. Oh, man. And it had been like 10 years since I'd done any of that and I was like, yeah. there's no way. That's a lot. Yeah. That's- there's no way I can do that. So I kind of did residential heating and cooling, used my military training, worked with a worked with a company for a little bit, and I was working 70, 80 hours a week, never seeing my family. You know, I was getting home at like 8 p.m. and waking up at like 6 a.m., never seeing them. So I was like, something's got to give. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't – I still felt this desire that I wanted to help people, but I just didn't know what it was. So I joined, joined the fire service just on a whim. I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to go apply for gas and fire. And she was like, "Are you, you know, you sure about that?" And I was like, uh, "We'll see, you know. God's got us here so far. And um, if it's not meant to be. It won't, you know, it won't happen, right?" And a year and a half later, I still love it. I look forward to going to work every day. Like I said, I fell in love with the medical side of it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to further my education with that, and hopefully do critical care where I can um, do the life flight helicopter for uh, trauma and all that stuff. Um, but I, I really love it. Anybody that's looking for a rewarding career, um, I would highly, especially young men, I would highly recommend the fire service
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, it's 24 hours. You're, I work 24 hours on and then I get 48 hours off. So right. two days off. And for those 24 hours, you're just hanging out with pretty much your buddies. Luke Palacios? Yeah. He's at Rainbow City. I'm going to try to get him on there. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're pretty much just hanging out. It's a um, brotherhood, man. It, it is. is. Yeah. We sit it down is. and play cards. We play um, you know, Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros., we just hang out all day. Um But then when the when the fire hits or, or a call goes out, it's time the, to go. When the tone drops, I mean you have to be ready in a That's second. That's right. That's right. Um and you have to trust those people yep. that you work with. Um because like I said, if you go in a house and, and you're not a hundred percent ready or you don't a hundred percent trust that person, it's life or death, literally. Um so, I, I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Mm. Um, and I think that's another reason I joined the military, because I thought it would, would be a thrill, which it, it wasn't. The movies, It wasn't like the movies? No, it wasn't. It wasn't like,
0: a, what is it? What's that movie with uh, Tom Cruise? Uh, Top Gun? It wasn't Top Gun? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But yeah, I get my, my adrenaline fix. Mm. You know, I get helping people, um, you know, giving back to the community. And the pay is not not what it should be Mm. but for the reward that i get you know i would i don't really care about the pay because i'm doing what i love i look forward to go to going to work every day um so the pay comes second definitely for me because i I enjoy what i'm doing well self-fulfillment's everything
0: yeah you know being able to pay pay is important but i think you know if you're not enjoying what you're doing you're going to live a miserable life your family's going to feel that your wife your children they're going to feel all that You know, you got to have some type of happiness, fulfillment out of what you do. You don't have to absolutely love it, I feel like, but you definitely need that. So now you went to uh, the military for eight years, you said. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, we talk about journeys. We talked about that earlier. Kind of everything comes full circle. Do You feel like the military kind of prepared you for fire. Do you feel like it was easier after you did
1: the military or any relation in any way? Um, I think the rookie school helped because it was kind of... It wasn't super strict, but it was kind of military style. Mm-hmm. You know, you do PT, you run, um, you do a lot of drills. Um, you know, you have um I don't know, I don't think it it made me any better, uh, but I think it helped me be more mature than the other guys because I was out there with like eighteen, nineteen year olds yeah. that st- really still didn't know if this is what they wanted to do and I knew this is what I wanted to do, so it gave mm-hmm. me a leg up, so I gave everything I had um, during rookie school and I came out as we had tests every day and all these drills and stuff. And I came out top of the class, Yeah, uh, graduated top of the class. Um, so I think it helped me because I had done the military and I knew this fire service is what I wanted to do. I'd already had a plan. I knew this is what I want to do. I have a five, 10, 15 year, 20 year plan of this is what I want to do and nothing nothing's going to get in the way of that right well i think too Um, just the maturity aspect yeah doing that what you were 26
0: 27 at the time when you did that uh 28 yeah yeah 28 i mean 18 to 28 dude that's a big difference i I wasn't i don't even know who the 18 year old was dude (laughs) so i mean just the maturity aspect of that definitely i think helps you in the long run for sure um i'm i would
1: smoke them in the pt and the drills and stuff um i was one of the oldest guys out there and I was smoking these young guys in in the drills we were doing, and uh, but kids nowadays, man, they just they just they don't I don't know they don't have a good work ethic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them just want to be content creators, and yeah, uh, they don't want to actually work for what they they need to do. Right, and you can tell even the military has changed some standards because they're saying that a lot of kids just sit around playing video games, and their bones and muscles aren't as strong as they used to be so yep. they've they've lowered some standards because of that so that's amazing it's crazy isn't it any more information about that i've never actually heard that before anything um,
0: specifically kind of about the generational gap what that's like the differences
1: and all that yeah i'm not 100% sure i saw an article from the military times that we're talking about um like they're seeing um i guess as far as like shin splints and bone spurs and stuff they're seeing a lot of that in training because the bones of these kids aren't as strong as what they used to be because they're not getting used like they should be because they're sitting around playing video games all the time, Mm -hmm. texting. Um, But I'll see if I can find that article. You know, and send it to you. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: If we find that article, I'll put it in the description for yeah, sure. that's, that's interesting. very interesting. I think you know, yeah. even the gym culture. Let's talk about the gym. I didn't even write this down on here. Okay, we're gonna talk about the gym a little bit, kind of fitness journey and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I talked about mine before. I started when I was fifteen. Oh wow, had these drumline guys. They were getting all the ladies, man. They were sh- <laughs> and and they were getting fit. And I was at home playing Call of Duty, eating uh, cheese dip. All right, Heck and yeah. uh, and it was good times. Taco Bell, Taco Bell, still do. The <laughs> I love well. Taco Bell. Still Bill. do the Taco Bell, unfortunately, but uh. Yeah, man, and and you know, I just got to a breaking point. I was like, I wanna, I wanna be fit like these guys. Like these yeah. guys are doing pull ups. I can't even do one. You know, um, gotten to fitness, still do it, love it. It's just a part of my life now. Yeah. Um, kids now, uh, it's just I don't know. It is everybody. You know, and this is on YouTube and all that. But I have a full time job, obviously, as well. But it's it's like I said before. It's almost like life is too easy. Mm-hmm. when life is too easy uh you've heard that had to have heard the term good times create soft men soft men create hard times oh, i've heard that yeah hard okay. times create uh good men it's like a cycle okay and we're kind of in the good times create soft, soft men man. i feel like cycle absolutely i feel like we're in that cycle um yeah. but anyway a little side point there tell us about your fitness journey kind of how you got into obviously military i'm sure you did a little bit of yeah that.
1: so in high school i was uh you probably remember I was real thin. I yeah. was like six. I'm six foot. I've been that since like ninth grade, um, and I weighed like 120 pounds.
0: That's me. I apologize. No,
1: that's all right. You're good. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I was six foot, weighed 120 pounds. I look like a Holocaust survivor. Um. And it turns out I had some stomach issues I was dealing with. I had a it's called mesenteric ischemia. Yes. Um. So they had to go in. I have a I have a big scar on my abdomen. They had to go in and and fix that. Um, and so I, you know, I tried working out in high school, but I was just I couldn't really eat. And, I was, and you were
0: how old at the time with the surgery for the mesenteric ischemia?
1: Uh, probably sixteen. Okay. Um, sixteen or seven. It was between my sophomore and junior year that summer. I had the surgery. Okay. Um, and so I really couldn't eat. I, could, I wasn't able to lift anything over like twenty pounds for like a whole year. Okay. Um, I really never had an appetite. And so I was super skinny and then when I got in the military, I was still really skinny, like I almost didn't meet the weight requirements for my height when I was in MEPS. Oh wow. Um I had to like the guy told me to like hunker down a little bit because I was too tall for how little I weighed. Wow. Yeah. So um but then I got in. like a Captain America story. <laughs> are you are you Captain America? <laughs> I wish, man. That'd be cool. If they had that super soldier serum, man. I'd yeah, be man. Should have took, took, <laughs> took it. Should have took it. That's crazy. Um but yeah, uh I stayed about one thirty ish all the way up until my first deployment. And I started working out and kind of getting serious. And then on my second deployment, my first deployment was twenty sixteen. And then my second deployment, twenty twenty, I took some peds Um, and I was able to eat like four thousand calories a day because the chow hall was always open. Yeah. And I went from like one eighty to two ten oh, wow. in like five months oh yeah um and it was awesome i was like this is amazing i bet uh but then when i got home you know i didn't have the time to work out and uh you know and it messes with your your hormones and your sex drive and all that stuff which um i really didn't care you know i was over there for eight months i didn't care about the side effects i just wanted to to work out and, and get big because i've had body dysmorphia my whole life sure because being that that skinny and that and that tall uh, clothes don't really fit you how they're supposed to, um, and still, even when I look in the mirror, I still feel like I'm I should be wearing like a small shirt, and then I look, I buy a shirt and it's got to be like an X, XL, you know, or a large. Wow. I'm like, what the heck? I I don't feel like I should be this big. Yeah. Uh, so I still I still struggle with body dysmorphia. and My wife's all the time like, you know, you look you look great. I can tell you're working out in the gym. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I I, I still feel like I'm 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I got on um um uh, those performance enhancing drugs and um you know my my weight went up and my my weight in the gym went up, my squat all that stuff and I felt awesome and then I came back stateside and started back with my regular job and and couldn't keep up um with uh, working out like I, I should. Mm-hmm. With kids and a wife and all that stuff. I still did but not like I used to and then got in the fire service and and I'm I'm able to work out again, like I want to because I have more time and we're allotted time on shift to go to the gym and work out. Um, but I probably won't ever touch uh, those drugs again because yeah. they, they mess with your body, um, which, you know, you hear all the side effects and all that stuff. And I did what you were supposed to do. I cycled and did the post-cycle therapy and all that stuff and still got, you know, the gyno and yeah. all that stuff. And um, But while I was doing it, it was it was awesome. Mm. um if i could do that naturally you know without not not having to work as hard right but you know i still lifted weight but it seemed like it just it just came so quick oh yeah and that's what it's for and it's kind of discouraging when you get in the gym as natural and it takes a whole lot of work oh yeah just to see half the half the gains fourth a even a fourth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's discouraging you know now a lot of fitness
0: influencers and stuff back i talk about this in previous podcasts but back when i started fitness it was very hush hush if people are on gear you don't talk about it no like you lie about it you hide it whatever you gotta I'm do maddie. and everybody yeah. was uh, i have multiple stories about people in the gym i worked out in the gym and i'm like they're huge ripped and i'm like I I want to be like that. How do I get like that? And they're like, "Well, you got to eat a lot of chicken. You gotta, you gotta do your cardio." (laughs) And so for years, I was like, "I'm gonna be the best. I'm gonna outwork all them." And I did outwork them, but did I get the results? No. Um, you know, you figure out why, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, "What's wrong with me? Like, I've got some, you know." And uh, talk about body dysmorphia for sure. It's like you know, I've worked out this long, but I can't achieve these results. When the people not necessarily lying, but they're not being fully truthful now. Yeah. This was in early twenty tens. Now YouTubers, all these people just in their bio write down their what, what all the drugs are taking. Have you seen a change in that? Do people that you've
1: worked out with and stuff, do they kind of talk about it more or or what would you say about that? Um it seems like on the military side, definitely people yeah. I mean, they run. There's a guy. <laughs> uh danny Swall, i don't know if you've ever seen him on instagram I feel like I've heard the name yeah he's he's a pretty big time fitness influencer and he's in the air force and i met him on a deployment and i was like this dude is massive yeah like and you know you can tell i mean if you've been in it for a while you can tell the people that are on it just how their their physique is and how their muscles are shaped and stuff you're like dude that dude's definitely and you ask him, you know what any tips and they're just like you know, I, I eat gummy bears during my workout yeah. to keep my sugar up, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you're like, dude, that's BS. Come on. Like, what do you, I know. um, but now there's a lot of, I think too, a lot of younger guys are seeing it and people are saying, you know, this is what I'm taking in their in their like the liver King, for example, Yes, you know, he got outed and he was saying, all I'm doing is eating raw meat and liver every day. And this is how I got this physique. Mm-hmm. And these younger kids are like, okay, I can do that. Believe it. Buy my capsules. Buy yeah. All this
0: stuff. Ancestral
1: living, and they, he's selling a product. Yep. Um. And these and these young kids are are falling for it, and they're taking these products, and they're like, "Why am I not getting the?" And it's just a vicious cycle of, of you know, body dysmorphia, which can lead to depression. That's it. Which can, you know, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough coming up with how social media is and seeing all these bodybuilders and being like, "How do I how do I gain that?" Um, and then you put in the work, like you said, and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads to a lot of mental health issues and stuff because, um, it just, I don't know. They see everybody around them are getting these great results and they can't. Well, I
0: think the pressure now—you talked about yeah, Instagram—is yeah. so huge. Yeah, to have this image, you know, Instagram is everything to the generation now that is graduating. Their Instagram is more important than real life, it like is. their image, how they're portrayed, and all this stuff. Yeah, um, it's pretty crazy. Cycling off, by the way, from a medical standpoint, from steroids, high suicide rate really stopping steroids yes oh wow because of body dysmorphia because of the hormone balance and stuff like that it actually does happen i talked about that in a previous podcast i could see that but i was very interested in that um and it does happen but it you know i don't know what's better i don't know if previously it's better let's just cycle it personally lie about it and everybody's cool everybody does whatever or be open about it we talked about school age kids. You're giving teenagers drugs, Who still, hormone-altering drugs. Your body's still developing. Still developing. I mean, even until mid-20s, probably. Still going
1: through puberty. Right. And yeah. so
0: you're giving drugs, letting kids and, – and they're going to get huge. They're going to feel good. They're going to look good and all that. But what are the long-term effects? Kids aren't able to make that decision. You start smoking uh when you're not teen. You drink when you're 21. Yeah. But you, you can get these drugs at, what, 15, 16, 17? Not cool to me.
1: No. Yeah, yeah you can go to anybody – it, yeah, sixteen I would say you drive yourself to the gym, you go up to the biggest guy. Right. I got a guy. Start up a relationship and be like, Hey, can you get me this? Well, right. Sure. Yeah, you got the money, I can get it for you. Right. Um Yeah, there's a guy, I follow on, I don't follow him, but I see him pop up on TikTok a lot. And he's twenty one and he is huge. Yeah. And he just talks about, Yeah, this is what I do, this is how I do it and I it's very dangerous because long term effects of even testosterone is hard yeah. on your body. Yeah. Especially if you're You're injecting yourself with it, and you have unnatural levels. I mean, that can cause all sorts of problems. Cancer, you know. Well, everybody takes TRT. I feel like everybody's on
0: some type of testosterone therapy. Uh, You can go to a a physician and get that. But what are the long-term effects? Some people say it's worth it. Is it worth it for a few months, years of clout? Maybe to somebody. Maybe. It's not to me. Never has been. I've never took anything. I've never done it. I've been yeah. accused of it because I'm bigger. I feel like the, some yeah. of the people that even take drugs, uh, but no. Well, that just yeah. shows
1: years of commitment. Right. You said at
0: 15. But you can't lose it. I could stop working yeah. out for like a month, and I might deflate a little bit, but on gear and stuff like that, you can't do that. No. You can't, you can't stop it, taking it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, I remember you had a um, a YouTube video mm-hmm. where you were saying, I can't, it was kind of clickbaity about something about taking steroids. Yeah. Do yeah. I take steroids? And I was like holy crap does he and
0: i clicked on it and watched it dude i'm, I'm a
1: master of clickbait bro yeah and even the
0: title of this podcast is gonna be something clickbait he's Heck yeah. ask, i'll clear it with you first yeah. so i'm not gonna embarrass you no me? you're
1: good but yeah i uh, i remember watching that video and i was like okay i wonder what he's you know what he's cycling and stuff like that and you're like i don't take it and yeah
0: <laughs> yeah I was like oh jerry come on man yeah yeah but i don't man i, I yeah. think it's just never been worth it to me
1: um t- to people people
0: want different things I know a lot of guys that do, guys that compete that take it, and that's because it's worth it to them. Um, but but almost, to, I look at profitability. Um, I genetically, I feel like I have pretty decent genetics, but I'm not in the top ten in the world. I'm not there. Yeah, I feel like if you're in the top fifty, top one hundred in the world, maybe you try it, you see what happens, all that. If you're not there, what are you doing? I mean, is is it just for an image? But again, image is so important now.
1: Yeah, you know, people, it's worth it to them, but to me, it's just never been worth it. Which if you work out for just your mental health yeah. and, uh, and to let off steam, you know, that's one thing. But even now, if you're competing, you almost have to be on some sort you of have to. gear to to com- even make a wave in the industry because it's so, everybody's on it. Yeah. And there's a new thing I keep seeing pop up called Natty Plus is what they're calling it. And it's like, it's SARMs and um, peptides and stuff like that, like mk 6 six seven something yeah, i don't even know yeah it's yeah, like these they saw and they're injectables and they're SARMs which i'm not i'm not sure what that stands for but they're saying it's technically not a steroid so you can still be natty and take this stuff but the side effects are just as bad right like it messes with your hormone levels and and these kids are, are buying into it yeah you know, well i so. had a guy at the
0: gym around 2020 2021 he said something about SARMs he's like man you got to try this stuff and i was just like i just i don't know i don't even i don't even know what it stands for to be honest yeah i can't Uh, remember what it stands for But anyway it's some type of injectable drug but yeah Yeah. i mean all to say if it's worth it to you that's fine to me it's never been worth it now in your situation you know you bulked up a lot and gained a lot of size that's pretty cool yeah but you did i I remember you're very very skinny there for a while and stuff like that so so i'm sure it helped a lot as far as mental health and stuff being you know gaining some size and stuff like that yeah
1: definitely Um, um it was cool just to see cause I'd never been that, I mean, I got over 200 pounds right now. I'm sitting about 200 mm-hmm. and you know, I, I felt good, you know, I could lift heavy weight and I felt good and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. But then like you said, I get back and three weeks later, I'm down back to like 190. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it definitely wasn't worth it back with my family yeah Um, and in the long term it wasn't wasn't worth it well i feel like i
0: was the opposite you were skinny i was like morbidly obese before i started working out i was heavy yeah i wouldn't say morbidly obese but i was heavy dude There, end of 15 middle of 15 age 15 stuff like that i got big i was like what i weigh now but no muscle at all really yeah yeah i I got pretty big and so that's why i started you know talking to the drumline guys and yeah they were uh Getting into that, I was like, uh, man, I got to do this. I got to start doing this. it's fun. It's just an activity, you know, something fun to do, too. It's just a part of life. I enjoy it. Lifting heavy weight as a man, it's just fun. It's It's just fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember you being that big. Yeah. I was a... I was, I was pretty thick or <laughs> with, with two C's, thick with two C's. Thick, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about military command. We're kind of getting close to wrapping up. Okay. Uh, military command, our country's leadership, not to get extremely into politics. I really don't want this podcast to be overly political. We talked about some transgenderism stuff and stuff like that. Um, the direction our country's going, having a military background, what was it like with military leadership? having a leader in
1: the military, you were under Obama's presidency Uh, and then Trump. Yeah. Yeah. The end of Obama. Well, kind of the middle to the end of Obama and Trump's. And then I got out because uh, the the main reason I got out was I did five years active duty and then three years National Guard. So I do it once a week, uh, once a month, two weeks, a year, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, And they were starting to mandate the COVID vaccine. And I was like, I'm not. All throughout the military. No exemption? No, well, I think you could do religious, religious um, but um, I was like, I'm not getting it. And they were like, well, you can either get it or get out or we'll force you out. And I was like, well, my enlistment's almost up, so I'm just going to get out. I think that's something. Um, um, but you could definitely see a difference from when I came in under Obama's administration mm-hmm. and going into Trump's, you could definitely see that the the environment shift as far as assets and where the money was going because it seemed like our equipment we kind of got more money for better equipment and better training under trump's administration oh wow um which with obama it was kind of the training we we did we didn't have a lot of training for our job and then with trump's it's like we got money to go uh to germany to train japan all this stuff um So you could definitely see a a difference. And now under Biden's and the COVID and all that stuff, I can't imagine how the environment is and even how morale is, because it seems like uh, Trump actually cared about our troops. Right. Like uh, I had some buddies that were on a deployment and Trump went out to that deployed location and served food for them on Christmas or Thanksgiving, something like that. And I don't know if Obama ever did that. Mm -hmm. Um, So you could definitely see – all that would affect morale because you're actually appreciated and your commander in chief is actually showing like, I care that you're out here away from your family and I'm going to come serve you. Right. I mean, that, that speaks volumes as a leader it and does. even as your subordinates, it shows that you actually care. Mm-hmm. Um, But the whole COVID thing, I was like, I'm not getting the vaccine um, because I don't feel mostly because of how quick it was rolled out. Yeah. Because, I think it would make anybody feel uneasy. and That's coming from yeah. a medical person. Um you know, it was it was something. Yeah. For sure. And I don't know how that and I guess uh, an executive order it it got pushed through because it definitely didn't have what is it 15 years or whatever that the FDA has to test, you right. know. No the, trials. The groups, yeah. No nothing. No trials, all that stuff. And now and now we're kind of seeing the repercussions of it. There's guys our age that are having cardiomyopathy, cardiomyopathy, or um, the um, what is it, myocarditis, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and they're dropping dead. Yeah. And even, even with the vaccine, my mom, she got the first dose and it, it knocked her on her butt and she was in the bed for like three days. Wow. And like she, it was like a really bad case of the flu from the, uh, vaccine so she didn't get any subsequent doses of it because mm-hmm. it was so rough and who knows what that's doing to your body right we uh-huh. don't have trials we don't know you know, don't know a
0: woman that takes a drug uh, a medication is tested goes through trials and then it's given a rating a pregnancy rating of how safe it is right right yeah so even with COVID vaccine and all that it goes through trials of other stuff just like any other drug would it's got a safety profile and yeah. all that stuff and I don't really think we even still know.
1: And the therapeutic index was. and all that stuff. Like, right. how do you know how much is a safe dose if you've never went to trial? Good point. Um, yeah, yep. it's, it's scary. You're putting this in your body just based on the word of of the government. And I know that sounds kind of like conspiracy theorist. Yeah. But just because they said it's good for you, you're going to do it. Um, well, the
0: government in my you know understanding of it, the way I was raised by my dad to so even be in military, the government is here to assist your life. Yeah. They're not here to control it. And I feel like we've given so much power. We are getting, we're getting political, dude. I was like, (laughs) you know, so much power has just been given and and rights are being took away. I feel like it's kind of starting to swing back a little bit. I feel like, you know, but during COVID, it just like, we're just like, save us, you know, instead of saving each other, being there for each other. um, We just allowed, you know, the government to take over. And I'm just, you know, I like freedom. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. I, I'm not military, but I feel like I resonate so much. I got a American flag in the yeah. front front porch, man. I just very patriotic. I love freedom, man. And uh I got a I'm all navy shirt it. on. Yeah, yeah. I got this in Hawaii, <laughs> on the okay. US Naval Base. Had a friend in Hawaii. When I wear this shirt, small story. Uh People are like, thank you for your service. And I'm like, No. I didn't start. and then it just gets awkward because they're like, Oh, oh, okay. But uh yeah, but I but I got it at the US naval base in Hawaii, yeah. had a friend that was out there, just flew out there and stayed with him. It was super cool. Super nice. cool. Was it Pearl Harbor? Or uh I, I don't know. Remember I think it was on Maui. Uh I believe it was the naval base It was on Maui. Okay. But awesome. uh, this was in twenty 15, 16, something like that. So okay. it's been a long time ago. Great time, though. Um, but yeah. Hawaii is a beautiful place. But yeah, man, um, all about freedom. Uh, less government control. The government's here to assist. They're here yeah. to help our lives, not dictate and say, you have to do this. You have to do this. Um, you know, it's it's
1: it's been weird sometimes, for sure, seeing yeah. things transpire. And I think as a as a straight white male in the South, people just inherently think you're for Trump. Right. Um, and I, I'm not. Like I think he's he's the best we got, right? But I voted for Joe Jorgensen, the Libertarian, okay, because I think there's too much government, um, and that's what she was about. She wanted to make the government more hands off right. because there's too much overreach. Yes, and I'm for that. Yes, um,
0: but it's libertarians.
1: They have great ideas. It's just the support
0: isn't there. The, isn't, the dollars. No support, yeah, it's just, it's just tough. Even if they have good candidates, it's just not, it's not
1: going to go through. Sadly, it they takes never.
0: people like us to vote for them, though. I mean, that does help.
1: Yeah. hmm. Uh but, yeah, that's um, that's another thing, the stereotype of being a white man in the South. People just inherently think you're a racist, Trump supporter, white right. supremacist, you know. Um, but, yeah.
0: I feel like it's hard to, f- uh, well, it's not hard to find. I think people don't want to see uh, just common, decent people. When I look at people, I'm just like, are they, are they a good person? You know, yeah. that's it. You know, I think judging people just by what they look like and stuff is very strange. I feel like I've just never been that way. Yeah. Um. You know, even in high school, college, whatever. I just made friends with everybody. Like, sure. I don't care where you're from, what you look like. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm nice to you. You
1: know all that. Um. Yeah. I don't know. But I've I've never really resonated with that. That's kind That's of a weird is. weird thing. You yeah. Know? In high school, you know, we had the clicks. You know, there was the clicks. Obviously, Southside man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I and I never really was in one. I just jump around to, you know, if you're cool, I was cool with you. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of jumped around. I never really fit into. One crowd. Um so well at Southside I was class president, man. And I feel hey. like I
0: wasn't in anything. I was just <laughs> nice to everybody. I was drumline captain, band captain, all that, but like yeah. I never I just talked to everybody. I don't know, I never really resonated with a certain group of people or whatever. I was just myself, man. Just that's trying to do was. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big yeah. thing. Just be yourself. I feel like that translates well to life. You're gonna encounter all kinds of people. I'm sure in the military. You see all kinds of people in every walk of life. All that is kind of, you know, how, how things need to be. But going back to the thing about being a Trump supporter, I'm kind of the same way. Trump, obviously he's been indicted, whatever, all that. I don't even follow all that, dude. I just look at uh, when time comes, let's look at the candidates, see what it is. His methods sometimes, the Twitter stuff, it's, it's a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah. But it the is. results were good when he was president, I would say. He did yeah. stuff for the military. I love that. He Financially, did, yeah. the country did well. Had some questionable stuff that he did, but that's him. You know, I, I can't control him.
1: Um, but the gas was $1.50. Gas was cheap. Gas is <laughs> very cheap. I would take that over, you know, anything.
0: But it is. And, and what politicians to me is just the lesser of two evils, man. I feel like everybody yeah, in politics, is. if you're that high up there,
1: you're corrupt you've done something (laughs) nobody gets that high being being just nice and all that yeah absolutely not anymore maybe back in the day when it first started but not anymore yeah so, uh, dude, we've been going
0: an hour twenty five minutes, have we? This is awesome. awesome. So yeah, I'm gonna dude. go ahead and wrap this up. I usually stop about okay. hour thirty. Uh, this okay. has been great though. Uh, I'll end it with the five, ten, twenty. You stole my line there. You said okay. that during the podcast. Heck yeah. uh, five, 10, 20 year plan. So we'll start with five years from now. Okay. Uh, you're doing the firefighter thing. You have a beautiful family. Where do you see yourself at from five years?
1: Um. So hopefully, um, once I get done with my medic, I can go get my critical care, which is a, um, another course, um. I'm not sure if it's like a semester course. I don't know how that works, but I have to have that. And then I have to be on a, a high volume truck, either that be like a, a heavy rescue truck like we have at the fire department or like an ambulance, which I really don't, I really don't want to get on an ambulance because a lot of people seem to be burnt out oh, yeah. just from that. Oh yeah. Uh saw
0: him, man. I worked the ER for a long it's time. It's rough, I come in. It is. It's terrible. You know, quick story, and I'll let you finish real yeah. quick, <clears throat> but I had a nurse practitioner friend, Greg Smith. I don't think he'll care that I say his name. Great guy, worked in the ER with him for multiple years. Uh, He's a nurse practitioner, but um, said, you know, he was an EMT before he was nurse, nurse practitioner, did all that. And he said the moment he knew was at 2 a.m. he got a call of this lady in in the ditch, like, uh drugs or something i forgot exactly what it was pouring down rain yeah had to go out there and get he said this is it i'm done i've (laughs) got to go back to school i've got to change yeah i think the burnout that's a whole other conversation for emergency medical personnel the pay isn't there the
1: burnout's real it's a real thing for sure yeah so with yeah with that i have to have at least three years experience um before i can apply for the survival flight uh the flight helicopter or um can't remember the other name, the other helicopter. But anyway, so that that's like my five year plan. Um and then I, I've thought about there's a bridge program you can go back to nursing from right. paramedic and it's like two or three extra semesters. I've thought about that. Um, uh, but at this point, I don't know because I've done clinicals in the ER. I actually have one tomorrow. Um and I like the the high speed of being kind of like first on scene. Right. Um and nurses, I mean, they I mean they know yeah, obviously you know being in an ER. Yeah. But it's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. It seems like. And I don't know if I want <laughs>
0: if You get want used to, to it though.
1: That. You figure it out. Do you? I mean, it's just like with
0: anything. It looks yeah. taunting and then or daunting. And then uh once you get in there and start working at it,
1: you figure it out. Kind of get a flow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's my my five year and then my ten year is um hopefully just, just getting good at, at my craft, you know, perfecting, uh being the best you know this may sound cheesy but being the best paramedic i can be and learning you know everything i can and hopefully be on the the helicopter um and 20 is just you know retiring retiring out of the service and and traveling with my wife mm-hmm. is is what i would like to do once my kids are grown and and out of the house mm-hmm. um travel to some places and and see the world i've i've seen some of it but the desert i've seen a lot of the desert yeah and i kind of want to see some some green stuff maybe ireland that kind of stuff um so really it just focuses more my my plans focus around you know becoming paramedic and working on the helicopter and and uh saving lives Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. 20 years dream a little bit what what are you (laughs) thinking 20
0: 20 years where are you gonna be dude 20
1: 20 years maybe uh I don't know. By that time, maybe I'll be burnt out and go back to nursing. Who knows? Yeah, you you never know, and I'll see mm. you at, at the hospital or something. Never know.
0: Never know. I'm in a clinic now.
1: Where the, are you, are you nurse, working? Nurse practitioner. Here? Yeah,
0: in, in Gaston area. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. But before we wrap up, I do want to mention one thing going back to mental health. Um, sure. Because I'm a, I'm a big advocate for that. And if anybody's listening and um, there's a big stereotype around antidepressants, I mm-hmm. feel like people don't want to say they need help, especially mm-hmm. as a man you're like, I don't need help. I can do this. D- don't, you know, don't bottle it up. Go get help if you need it. Um, uh, if you need, um, uh, medication for that help, go get it. Uh, because before I was on it, my marriage was in a, was in a rough spot and it, and it was me because I was depressed. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, didn't want to get out of bed. And I tell my wife, it was like the world, I saw the world and it was like black and white. And then when I got on, uh, I take antidepressants now. Um, and when I got on that medication, it's like the, the color slowly, slowly came back. Wow. Um. So there's there, there's a huge stigma, especially as a man taking, seeking help. I guess. Um. But if you need it, um, you know, you need to go get it before. You know, before it's too late. I guess. Is what you I'm know, men
0: uh, men suffer in silence. Yeah, thing, man, it's, it's a very common thing. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to get help. There's shame almost from a lot of yeah. people if you, if you struggle, you know, it's the big thing. Like I can do this all by myself. Um, you know, I don't need anybody. I can get through stuff or I can just be by myself. And I think a lot of men suffer in silence, man. Very common thing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what happened with my dad. And yeah. instead of going to seek help, he self-medicated with alcohol right. and I hadn't seen him in 12 years, you know, I hadn't talked to him in so, um, you know, I just want to be better for my family, mm-hmm. uh, be the man that God created me to be. Um, so if you need help, you know, there's no shame in, in seeking it. Mm-hmm. And it's there for a reason. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, you can pray about it and, and maybe that'll resolve itself, but God gave these doctors, the the ability to prescribe this medication for a reason. And this medication's there for a reason. And if you need it use it, right. um, it could save your life, I prescribe it myself, I mean it's yeah. uh, sometimes it's situational sometimes absolutely. it's
0: needed long term um it just depends on the situation and all that um but appreciate the vulnerability man, yeah been absolutely. very very good through the, throughout the whole podcast man yeah um but don't be afraid to ask for help, I think that men too it's a it's almost a a lie we delude ourselves into believing that we're the only ones like because a lot of people yeah. don't talk about stuff they're going through especially men you know girls get together it's just how they are yeah, yeah. they'll just t- say everything but guys you know we get together and kind of you know are flat you know it's it's okay it's okay to be vulnerable it is and, uh, true relationships need that vulnerability man
1: yeah and even on social media you're seeing a lot of people's can't remember what it was on social media you're seeing people's highlights like their their highlight moments you're not seeing behind the scenes that's right about what's really happening and you get a false sense of this person has a perfect life mm-hmm and then you're living yours, and you're like, "Why is it mine like that?" Yeah. No. To so tell it, a little bit about my
0: story, I, yeah, I haven't done antidepressants or done any drugs, but therapy, uh, to me, I've been through a lot uh, myself throughout my twenties and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, therapy has saved me, man. That's just awesome. because you. It's not that it, and I think some people believe therapy kind of tricks you into a way of thinking. It's kind of like your brain is just kind of knotted up, and so therapy okay. just kind of gets all those knots smooths all those circuits out gets that disbelief because you have this false belief narratives you tell yourself every morning when you wake up you know you're not actively but subconsciously you're saying all these things to yourself about yourself stuff you've been through your situation yeah absolutely and it's not even true you know it's good to hear from a therapist um, somebody that is you know doesn't have any side or at all just as neutral party unbiased you know to work through that stuff with you i think that's really important man
1: yeah absolutely Yep. Well, thank you for being
0: so vulnerable, man. This has been a great podcast, dude. Yeah. And I hope we can reach a lot of people with it. I hope so. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. I'm Dr. Jared Nelson. You can follow us on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel. We are on all of the podcast streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. We're going to be on all of them. Give us a five-star rating because we give five-star service. (laughs) Thanks for watching. Catch you in the next one. Peace. See ya. (laughs)
1: Oh <laughs>